0: Our prayer is that this message would nurture a joy for loving God and loving people in you as you listen. Uh, I I trust if you don't have a handout uh, that one's close to you to uh, refer to these passages, this is going to be interesting to talk to Presbyterians about this subject today lifting of hands. <laughs> okay. You may have to go home and recover this week uh, from the trauma of moving something in, in worship. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, I want to give some kind of, uh, hopefully, introduction to this and discussion of it to let you know what my thinking is and uh, bringing this to your attention and uh, we're actually going to have a little bit of exercise uh, this morning and uh, next Sunday with the doxology next Sunday uh, to uh, seek to engage ourselves some. The real question that we're going to be asking is, how engaged are we in, in worship? Not, not just with our bodies, but with our whole selves. And we're going to talk about the engagement of our bodies as just a representation, just a way to stir us up, a way to think about Am I really involved holistically in worship Uh, like I am in many other ways holistically in things? uh, have I kind of divided myself up in worship? So we're going to explore this a little bit this morning uh, using uh, some of these biblical materials. Um, We're so thankful for the birth of Benjamin Welch this week and uh, want to thank God for that and uh, pray for some other needs that our congregation has right now. And pray for God's blessing upon his word. Let us pray. Oh Lord, how we thank you for this uh, new baby boy and praise your name that uh, you have brought this about to your glory and honor. Uh, Lord, we lift you up and pray for the continued safety of this child and uh, pray for the whole Welch family that you would bless them and uh, their teaching of this child. And Lord, uh, the... The siblings and everybody involved, Lord, we, we pray uh, that uh, for David and Tricia, that you would equip them and continue to grow them in your grace and to make them parents that would honor your great name in the way they raise their children. And For us as a congregation, for this and all of our children, Lord, to be a community that nurtures children, to be a community that sets before them the glory of Jesus by the way we live, the way we love, the way we sacrifice, the way we worship, uh, the way we serve. Lord, bless us to this end, we pray. We continue to pray for so many in our our church that are uh, struggling physically. We pray for each of those needs, Lord, for uh, some needs that we don't even, we don't know about emotional things, relational things, struggles of all kinds in this body, Uh, struggles that push, uh, we know, many of our people to the edge of being able to hold on, either because of physical pain or because of emotional trauma of one sort or another, Uh, financial difficulties, work difficulties. Lord, we live in a difficult world. We live not protected from the problems and serious issues of this world. You put us out there so that we might glorify your name in the midst of the greatest difficulties. Oh, Lord, we pray for our brothers and sisters. We pray that you'd sustain them with faith and sustain them with the, uh, and comfort them, Lord, and cause them to trust you, cause them to see your greatness and your glory and for for you to dominate the horizon of their lives. And Lord, for you to sweeten their days with true joy, a true sense of your fellowship and your presence that truly lifts them and enables them to bring honor to your name in the midst of these great difficulties. And Lord, we pray that you would ever make us a community that through, our, through word and deed bears witness to Jesus Christ in this community. Teach us, Lord, by your Spirit. Make us wise and diligent and courageous to reach those around us, to reach those in this very place where we worship, Lord, and those that surround us. Lord, help us more and more uh, through our ministry, through our word, through different uh, ways that we may create to to reach out. Oh, Lord, bless us in these things uh, that we truly will see so many people come to know Christ through this ministry. Lord, that you would use us as an instrument to gather your sheep, those that the Father has given you, that they would come to you and that you would keep them and raise them up on that final day. Lord, bless your church worldwide. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you reign and that you reign in such a way that you can say to your disciples, go and make disciples of the nation's. And that you, Lord, have prayed for the nations as your inheritance, as the Father has invited you to do. And Lord, therefore, from every tribe and tongue and nation, you will draw your people and they will stand before your throne in that day. Lord, continue the onslaught of your gospel. We thank you that the God of this world is cast out and cannot stop the, the movement of the gospel throughout this world. And so, Lord, we pray, make your church strong. Make your church preach to preach your word faithfully and clearly and boldly with compassion and to live that word out into, in every area of life. Oh, bless the church, Lord, greatly by your Spirit. Pour your Spirit out upon us, Lord. Make us the church worldwide, an instrument in your hand to do things that we can hardly imagine because we read that you are able to do beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us. O Lord, do it for your glory. Bless us now as we come to your word, that we may grow in your grace and bring honor to your name. Amen. When you uh, talk about the human body, we are very familiar with how the body is connected to what's inside, right? Uh, We we talk... uh, About, In fact, you can ask someone just because of the way they look, the way they're drooping their shoulders, the way they shuffle, the way they carry themselves. You just look at them and say, sweetie, what's wrong? Didn't say anything, didn't communicate anything. You didn't see their soul. You didn't see their inside somehow. You just saw their body, right? And their body tells you what's going on inside because there's this inescapable connection between inside and outside. It's interesting, even when the inside isn't matching the outside and they think you may be lying, they hook you up to something that measures what? Your body, right? Interesting. Even then, when they're trying to get to what what really is the truth and whether you're telling the truth or not, they seek to measure your body. Because your body's going to say, usually, one way or another, whether you're lying or not. Just the connection that our insides have with our outsides. Uh, We talk about, he had this gleam in his eye. Or we talk about, man, you're chipper this morning. You must be feeling good. They didn't say anything. You just saw them. You just see it. Because our insides are connected to our outsides. Uh, People are trained, aren't they? Whether in business or law enforcement or... Influencing people to read body language. And it's, you you can just tell so many times what is going on in somebody's head because of their body language. (laughs) That means something, doesn't it? You know, when you see a child's lips stick out, you just know what that means. We've all seen that. Lips out, something's going on inside, and we know what that is. So, uh, I'm beating a dead horse, I'm sure, but uh, just to, to emphasize this uh, connection that we have. And along those lines, we, in talking to our children at various times, regard some postures as inappropriate, don't we? You sit up, right, because they're slouching down when they should be sitting up and their bodies at least should express what you hope is going on in the inside. And you know that if they're sitting there lounging around and half lying back, that probably they're not getting much out of it. At least get your body engaged and maybe the inside of get engaged, right? That's just, you know, sit up and and, and be quiet, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, we don't have in here a bunch of daddy recliners, right? For people to come in, sit back, kick back, and just lie back. We, It would seem we would know it was totally inappropriate that we're going to sing the doxology from our recliners, right? Just, that's not right that you do that, okay? So, Scripture, uh, in, and we have to bear in mind, of course, this is a culture that we're talking about, and we have to ask questions about that culture. What's that culture versus our culture? Let me give you an example. Uh, in the New Testament, it says give each other a holy kiss. Now, in that culture, as you've seen Russians and Eastern Europeans, men kiss men, right? So, you can imagine if we obey that and start kissing visitors, you know, when they come in. I mean, I'm sorry, it's what the Bible says. I'm going to kiss you, you know. But actually, it's interesting that By kissing someone, you really wouldn't be conveying what that text says, would you? Uh, We would say it in terms of our culture, give them a warm handshake and maybe a hug if it's appropriate. You know, that kind of thing. We we have a certain way that we would express that, but they had a certain way. So the question could be asked uh, about this idea of lifting hands, whether or not that's simply a cultural thing. It's just the way the Hebrews were, but we don't raise hands in our culture. We just don't do that. Now, number one, of course, many religious traditions do raise their hands. We know that, of course, the Charismatics and many others, that raise hands. But I would argue on a wider scale that our culture certainly raises hands a lot. And that is not foreign in any way to our culture. Can you imagine a whole football stadium at a touchdown just standing there and saying, "Yay! Yay! Yay!" What happens when somebody when a home run hits? <laughs> Hands go up. Don't they? Touchdown scored, you know, you win the the championship. <laughs> Hands go up why cuz you're celebrating right you're celebrating you just they have they just you can't keep your hands down almost i bet almost every one of you at some sporting event either because you yourself won cuz you're playing or your child won or scored or your team that hands go up fist pump you know it's just that's what we do so at least it bears asking why in our culture of at least Presbyterians, okay, we in one part of our culture feel perfectly free. And if we were all at a football game, you wouldn't be looking at people staring at him saying, look at him jumping up and down just because we scored a touchdown. Weird. But boy, watch it happen here. <laughs> and you might not come back. You know, it's like that's not what we do. Now, again, I'm still not arguing for a necessary thing of raising our hands. I'm simply want to, I simply want to introduce to you this idea and just to run interference a little bit. Uh, our, what the session has talked about is doing it in a corporate way. Okay? That's just to, before we even get into the subject to talk about what we're shooting for. I don't care if more people want to raise their hands in singing and that kind of thing. That's fine. But what I really am wanting us to do, at least on occasion, as part of our posture, because we have a posture of sitting, we have a posture of standing, to introduce the posture of our hands, either maybe for doxology. This morning, we're actually going to do it for the benediction uh, and, and try to talk about what that expresses And hopefully, if everybody does it together, (laughs) you won't feel so weird when you do it, okay? But I hope that you'll look at it as another posture, just like if we ask everybody to stand, we ask everybody to sit. If we had kneelers, like many Episcopal churches do, we would ask you to kneel at a certain point, and this is just another posture, okay? So uh, that's what we're talking about. Now, sometimes people have... I heard one fellow talk about uh, how you never hear anywhere in Scripture where people were sitting when they prayed. And he was trying to make the case that we should never sit when we pray. But like many uh, things that sound good, uh, this is done away with when you read in uh, Acts chapter 1 where the disciples... Uh, were gathered and they were devoting themselves to prayer, it says in chapter 1 and verse 14. And then, as they were sitting, it says, the house was filled with the Holy Spirit, chapter 2. So, I think if the Spirit <laughs> didn't like sitting, He wouldn't have been poured out you know, upon people who were sitting and praying. So, we have to be careful about not going beyond what Scripture says in this regard. And it's interesting also to talk about a different kind of posture and something more to their uh, culture, is that when Jesus spoke in Nazareth, um, his hometown, he read the scroll from Isaiah 61, and it says he rolled up the scroll, handed it to the attendant, and he sat down to teach. So, WWJD, what would Jesus do? (laughs) I should be sitting uh, if I'm going to do that. But that's not our culture. that, That to us in some ways might might say that I'm being too casual if I'm sitting, uh, although some ministers now do. But that's just to talk a little bit about the general idea of posture and and how it communicates and different things communicate to us. But if you take the sheet and look at this, you'll see, first of all, uh, how often it's talked about in uh, the Psalms. And I've divided it into some uh, bit of different subjects here, as it seemed to me, Uh, the lifting of hands expresses. Uh, First of all, that it expresses dependence and prayer. Hear the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cry to you for help, when I lift up my hands toward your most holy sanctuary. Now, in Hebrew poetry, uh, clauses are related, lines of poetry are related to one another, either by contrast or by reinforcement. And this is reinforcement. It's to say say something one way and then to say it another way and to make them synonymous, basically, that they mean the same thing. I cry to you for help, that is, I lift up my hands. And so uh, this could be speaking of figuratively, of course, uh, but it, it is likely that he's talking about literally lifting up his hands and that he can't even imagine crying out for help unless he lifts up his hands. Almost the idea of saying somebody's going to hand you some money and you won't reach out your hand. You know, it's like, are you going to take the money? Nope. You know, just, just reach out your hand. It's almost that kind of sense to a Hebrew is that if you're asking him for help, you, you have to reach out your hands. You have to express that to him, express your dependence upon him. Just the, the Hebrew mindset. Notice this, uh, Psalm eighty-eight. Every day I call upon you, Lord. I spread out my hands to you. Just one, in, they're one and the same thing in terms of his action toward God. I call upon you. I lift out my hands. And then notice, uh, Paul says, "I desire then that in every place the men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. Just assuming that that is the posture." Uh, That that's the way this prayer, this dependence, this asking is expressed uh, through the hands. And then, of course, the whole idea of praise. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. Again, you see, blessing you and lifting up my hands to do that are one and the same thing in the way uh, he's thinking. So that I praise you not only with my mouth, I praise you with my hands. That's the idea. I'm blessing you with my mouth and I'm blessing you with my hands. Because of what my hands represent, what they say. I'm saying something to you with my body as I'm saying something to you with my mouth. See, that's that's the point. And, and it has the idea, doesn't it, of like everything I have. I'm going to praise you with it. it. It kind of has the idea of Psalm 150 where every instrument you can imagine is brought out. You know, bring the cymbals, bring this, bring that, bring another thing, bring the horn, bring the lyre, bring, bring everything. Let everything sing praise. Nothing's too much, right, to try to raise the roof to praise His name. And, and in the same way, the whole body, we, we feel everything in me. Let it all be engaged to praise you. <clears throat> So, prayer, praise, uh, even allegiance. Notice, if we had forgotten the name of our God, Psalm 44, or spread out our hands to a foreign God, would not God discover this for He knows the secrets of the heart? Well, the idea is that in committing your life to a foreign God, in committing idolatry, you naturally give your hands to Him. You, you lend Him, you loan Him, you give Him your allegiance uh, all that you are through your hands. Psalm 68, Nobles shall come from Egypt. Cush shall hasten to stretch out her hands to God. See? The beautiful statement. Does that just mean in some shallow way she's reaching out her hand? Well, of course not. It means this is a symbol that Cush, in stretching out her hands to God, is stretching out her whole self to God. She, everything in her wants him and and longs for him. <clears throat> And so giving him allegiance. And closely aligned to that, notice this interesting statement in Psalm 119, verse 48 I will lift up my hands toward your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. There's much in scripture that talks about praising his commandments, and that's likely the one indication of here. I'm lifting up my hands to praise and honor your commandments, but how do I do that? I submit to those commandments. I love them and I will meditate on them and I lift my hands to them. Psalm 141, let prayer be counted as incense before you and the lifting up my hands as the evening sacrifice. And finally, Lamentations. Let us test and examine our ways and return to the Lord. Let us lift up our hearts and hands to God in heaven. See, the parallel there, examining ourselves, returning to the Lord, that is, let's lift our hands up to Him. Almost to say the same thing. You know. Th- this is a giving up of myself to God. Even as I might say, let's return to Him. Let me repent and turn to the Lord. In other words, let me lift my heart and my hand to God. And then I love the longing expressed in Psalm 143. I stretch out my hands to you. My soul thirsts for you like a parched land. And isn't that beautiful... He talks about the thirsting of his soul, and it's as though it has to express itself in my hands, you know. I get, I long for you, Lord. I long for you, Lord. I long for you, Lord, you know. It's just like if if you saw, if I saw Kay after being away from her for months, you know, and I saw her from a distance, you know, I'd be like, get in my arms, you know, like stretching yourself out to meet each other. And there's that idea. Even though God, of course, doesn't have a body, we have a body and we want to express it. So, again, I'm not saying this for mechanical use of your hands. Now, for some of us, for me personally, in personal prayer, I tend to lift my hands up without thinking about it. I just tend to express myself that way. When I'm alone in prayer, Uh, it it feels right. It 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 feels like my insides are coming out, you know, in a way that is is good for me. That may not be natural for you. It may not be something that you do. But at least what I what I most want to talk about or think about is how engaged am I and can it, should it at least, would it express itself if it's powerful and passionate? Would it, will it express itself in my body in some way? Will I want to stretch out myself toward God? And so we want to give an opportunity, maybe a place, a safe environment, uh, for us to express that praise to God uh, both individually, if you feel that way in in hymn, but especially when, for instance, we sing the doxology for us to experience praising God together. Now, I have at the bottom, and I apologize, I talked to my Sunday school class about the... I printed from, we quote, the wrong side of my uh, Apple computer, my parallel side, and it did some interesting things with the uh, printing. <clears throat> so those little eyes are supposed to be quotation marks, okay? But... Hand, hand, uh, hand, as we say in Alabama, uh, represents power, either God's power or man's power, and hands actually represent our whole outward being, as we see throughout Scripture. And in Psalm seventy-three, we talk, we saw how heart and hand comes together, they express themselves together, so that our hands really represent all that we are. Our hands are to match our hearts and all are to be given up to God. Hopefully, in some way, my hands are expressing what the reality of my heart. And so, in summary then, to raise our hands means to give all of our power, all of our capacity, all we do, all we have, and all we are to God in dependence and submission and praise. That's what we would mean by that. That's what we would be expressing uh, by the use of our hands in this way. Now, the subject of clapping comes up sometimes. Um, we, I think the only time we actually clap, clap, and we understand why we might do this is when the children sing. We're trying to express to them our love to them and our support of them and our engagement in their praise. Uh, but... But generally, we would shy away from clapping like we didn't, though maybe you would feel like in some ways to clap when they finished. We don't want that to become entertainment, do we? But there's coming up here, and I I was in a a fellowship one time years ago where this uh, opera singer actually sang during the offertory. I mean, it was big and glorious, and he ended on this high, high note. And, but it was terrible. The whole place just burst into applause. And I actually heard three or four bravos, you know, <laughs> in the thing. We had just descended away from, you know, what I would call worship. And that's why I appreciate so much the tenor that Jacob sets for our worship, the, the humility and the servanthood. And you just realize they're here to serve and they're here to lead us in worship. you know. And so to bring applause, you know, this doesn't, it's not what we're here about. You know, we're not here about performance. They're here to lead us to worship God, right? Now, we know some fellowships clap a lot, you know, clap during sermon, clap, you know, and all this, and it's a way to express different things. But we, we, we don't have that particular thing because uh, we feel like it, it lends itself to entertainment. It lends itself to something other than worship. Now, in my... Uh, study of the word clap, I really thought that I might find as many words for clap as I do for lifting hands. Psalm 47 verse 1 is the only verse in the whole of Psalms that I could find Um, and have a pretty good finder, okay? (laughs) Um, Not me, but the thing, but so, but here is one command, clap your hands, uh, all people, shout to God with loud songs of joy. Now, in Psalm 98, it speaks of the rivers clapping their hands. And then in Isaiah 55, uh, it speaks of the trees clapping their hands and doing this in joy. So, uh, while it's not emphasized, it's certainly allowed and it's encouraged in ways. And uh, we're actually going to uh, do this in a minute as we're going to seek to sing the doxology in a new way, okay? Okay? But I also want to talk about shouting a little bit because we may actually shout a little uh, when we sing the doxology or get close to shouting. But you'll notice how many times shouting is talked about. This is not all, but these, these are some of the passages. And I want you to notice why people shout. It's the same reason, basically, they shout at a baseball game or a basketball game or soccer or whatever. It's for joy, right? Shout for joy! Shout because of the sheer happiness, exhilaration, the thrill, the celebration. It's just shouting because of the greatness of the feeling that we have for God—the the overwhelming revelation of His glory and beauty and His salvation. Notice Psalm twenty, verse five: "May we shout for joy over what? Over Your salvation!" And brothers and sisters if they were shouting over God's salvation as it manifested itself in the deliverance from Egypt and deliverance from other situations that they found themselves in, what would ours look like when we're shouting for the salvation that God himself has come and taken flesh and borne our punishment for us and brought us into the presence of God? (laughs) Hard to compare the two. Yes, there should be a shout for joy for the magnificent things that God did in delivering them from the Exodus and and delivering them from armies and all that he did and to deliver them in salvation through the uh, atoning work of the tabernacle and temple and the sacrifices. Yes, but then that's the shadow when you get to the reality. I hope we're not thinking, well, you know, that was them and they shouted, but we don't really have that much to shout about, you know. Hopefully we think we've got way more. They can't even conceive of what we've seen in the glory of God that's broken in upon us. The ends of the ages, the final revelation, the unveiling of God's beauty and glory has occurred in Christ Jesus. Maybe we have something to shout about. Maybe if we're really thrilled and amazed at it, we might be more vigorous, at least in our singing, for it to be Vigorous, you know. Jacob has wisely picked a great hymn to finish. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. Right? And you've heard me say this before. You shouldn't be singing that. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. Like, you're not even using one yet. That's maybe a tenth of one, right? Right? <laughs> It should be that I'm using my one so greatly it sounds like if I had ten more, watch what I could do with them? You know, over a thousand, thousand tongues that I could sing his praise because he deserves it. Oh, if I had those thousand tongues. At least what would we sound like if that's what we were thinking? How do we sound singing if we're aching for more tongues to sing, Right? That's the feeling of that. So my discussion about shouting isn't it's not as pedantic as be sure you shout sometime during worship, you know, or during don't shock us during work during sermon to do that. Uh, but, <laughs> but um no, I'm just kidding about that. But but it the the thing about uh clapping or hands or shouting is all on this whole subject of Are we holistic? Are we completely given up to the worship of God? And are we using our voices to the full? Are our whole hearts engaged? So all of these, many of these psalms speak of shouting for joy, uh, joy in the Lord. Uh, Notice in Psalm 35, those who delight in my righteousness, shout for joy and be glad. Um, It's united to praises in Psalm 47. I love Psalm 65. You make the going out of the morning and the evening shout for joy. It's The personification of the glory and the beauty of morning and evening and all the colors that are surrounded. They're just shouting out for joy over God's creation of them and the beauty that they have. It's a beautiful, uh, it's a wonderful personification of creation itself, even as the rivers and the trees clap their hands. So, we're really asking the whole earth in Psalm 66, uh, which is closely related to Psalm 67 that uh, they sang this morning, of the whole earth being gathered in, the whole earth responding and and we're really saying to the whole earth, shout for joy to God, all the earth. How do you sing yourself if you're inviting the whole earth to shout? See, like, follow us, join us as we shout and we sing. Join us as we give ourselves uh, to this. Well, you can read uh, those at your leisure. Uh, but these these passages certainly set forth, uh, at the very least, the vigor of true worship, right? The vigorous nature of true worship. And so, I, at the very least, I hope that all of us will examine our hearts, get before the Lord, and say, Lord... Uh, I want to give myself completely. uh, And that's not going to happen automatically. It's not going to happen overnight. But more and more and more, when I come to worship you, or when I'm singing a hymn uh, or reading through a psalm in private, that my whole being will be engaged. That I'll get emotional. We're to love the Lord with all our heart and soul and mind, every part of our being. And I think one of the issues in the Christian life while there is the issue in some fellowships of people having what I call shallow happiness on the Lord's Day because it seems like their lives don't really match it during the week, Okay, the, many times in some of those settings the Word is not really proclaimed as we think it should be and the vigor and the strength of obedience is really not held forth. But there's just this shallow, giddy... Fun you know and, and emotional expenditure, um, so we 're not talking about that, however, in most cases, when you are emotional, when you love something and you really give yourself to it, you you become good at it, you you like it you you give yourself constantly to it when your emotions are engaged, and I want us to ask that question how should my whole self be engaged in worship on the Lord's Day. Maybe you will never raise your hands at all, but your heart must at least look like this, okay? (laughs) No matter what, your heart has to look like this as it's praising God. In dependence, in allegiance, in submission, in praise, in longing, you have to your heart be saying what would they would say with their hands i give everything i am and have up to you for your ownership for your kingship okay so <clears throat> when we have the benediction at the end i'm going to invite you all to have something like this posture okay And that would be simply a posture of receptivity. It should encourage you to think about what's happening. I'm receiving the blessing of God that's being pronounced upon me by God's chosen instrument at this point, weak and frail as He is. He's here to declare to you the blessings of God. And this perhaps will help you to be thinking about what's going on right now. I am now in faith trusting God to bless me as it's being pronounced upon me. So, that's when we get to the benediction. Now, I want to talk about the doxology. Now, when Jacob and I and Dowell and uh, Zach went to a worship conference in St. Louis, uh, one of the professors at Covenant Seminary had a seminar on bodily engagement. And at that seminar, he had us do this, and I, when we did it, I turned to Jacob and said, we're doing that. Because you know? <laughs> it, was, it was so invigorating and meaningful to me. <clears throat> so here's what we're going to do. And I got permission from the session. Uh, we, we talked about how funny it would be if I did this and the session had no idea, <laughs> you know, the elders. <laughs> I'd love to have a camera on then sometime, you know. I think of devious things like that for Jacob's going to sing a new song. He says, the Lord just gave me this song, and I want to say, you know, and just watch the elders when that happens, but that wouldn't be good, of course. But uh, So we, we've all agreed. I even asked maybe we would do this at the end of service. They felt like, let's do it right now. Now, what we're going to do is one of the ways we did the doxology after singing a cappella at this conference was we clapped, Okay. And we stood and we clapped. So this is how it will go. Now we're going to do... I think it will be a little easier for you to sing it and to keep up with it if we do the version of the doxology that has the longer notes. So it's... Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Okay? Now if you... the, The problem is, of course having the words and clapping. So hopefully you know the words. Uh, if you don't, you can sit and, and read them and clap. That's fine. You know, but that or maybe your husband or wife holds it and the other one does the clapping. Whatever. Right. <clears throat> now, what we'll do then is uh, we'll start clapping and then I'll say one, two, three, four. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him. Okay, and then at the end we'll get to uh, Holy Ghost. Wow. okay, let's stand and sing the doxology. <clears throat> We're all together, right? Okay. <laughs> Here we go. Wait, wait. One, two, three, four. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him above you be below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy go. The people said, Amen. Please be seated. (laughs) You can think about how that felt. You may have been so new, that's all you're thinking about. This is weird that I'm doing, okay? But also, it may make you think a little bit about what you're even singing. You know how I'm expressing myself, why I'm doing what I'm doing. So b- above all, let us ask Lord to give us sincerity and wholeheartedness in worship. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that you mean to work on our whole being, inside and out. And you mean to make us true to the core. You mean to make us real and holistic in our love to you. We pray, Lord because we're a part of a tradition that sometimes can de-emphasize these aspects of worship, these aspects of our humanity that we express so easily in other contexts. Lord, give us grace that we will fully, gladly, earnestly express our love and devotion to you and that it will be real and that even by our outward expression, it can draw our inward heart after it. It can nudge us toward that. It can help us even as we sometimes start smiling and it changes the way we feel. Lord, we pray that in every way we can, we will bring you the glory that is due your great name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this weekly podcast from Fort Worth Presbyterian. my lord my life my light oh come with blissful ray break radiant through the shades of night and chase my fears away oh, won't you chase my fears away